Tisha. Hi, Jen. Hi. <laughs> Can I tell you, we're doing something tonight that I don't think we've done before. We actually recorded the episode that we're releasing and the intro in the same day, in the same time. Yes, we never do that. It never happens. Never. And another thing, I have a request to all of you fabulous people who listen to us. My birthday will have been a week and a half ago when you hear this. So it's my birth month. And what I would love from all of you for my birthday is if you would rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts. Amazing. We love that. Happy birthday, Jen. Thank you. It, it'll be belated <laughs> at that point. But for those of you guests who didn't know this, this is what you can provide to me. And guess what? It's free. Yeah. Uh, you know what we should talk about? What? Your birthday weekend. My birthday weekend that like, yes, it co coincided with my birthday and it was my means of getting a bunch of my friends to come away with me. But it was really just about like moms getting together, escaping the kids because, you know, after two years of pandemic, none of us had done that. No, it was so good. It was so good and so relaxing. Do you know what you missed out on though, Tisha? And I, you, I think would have liked it. Um, we saunaed on Sunday morning. Yes. And then three of us went and got into Lake Ontario directly after. And it was amazing. Yeah, no, I skipped that on purpose. <laughs> uh, you're, you might have to try it next time. I did the sauna, but I'm, uh, yeah, no. I'm cold adverse. <laughs> Let's call it that. It feels so good though. It's like kind of brutal and then all of a sudden it's not and then you're just like, oh, that's pretty amazing. I love it. I mean, I guess, you know, we, we got you, I, I got you out of your comfort zone in a few ways, like making you bike however far we biked. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not used to sitting on a bicycle seat. And maybe it wasn't the most comfortable bicycle seat that exists. And I basically came home feeling like I'd like given birth. Like it was not fun. I'm feeling better now though. Well, that's good. <laughs> I mean, it was not comfortable on the day. Every time we had to get back on the bike, I was like, this does not feel right. Yeah. As I kept joking as we were riding and anybody who was nearby would hear me say like, I haven't had that much action in a long time. <laughs> yeah, you did keep saying that. Which I is did. Amazing. Well, truth, facts. And then I came home and my kids were sick. And one of them has been home from school for three days with a cough. And apparently I didn't teach him properly how to blow his nose because he just like sniffs it all down. And I'm pretty sure that's the root of his cough. Yeah. So. Yes. I would agree with that. And then his brother was definitely off. So I kept him home for two days because we live in this COVID world where, I mean, I respect there's a lot of positive things about like when you're sick, you're sick and you stay home and you do all of that. I don't know that they're sick, though, to be honest. <laughs> 
So I said tonight, I go, you're going to school tomorrow and you're in a mask up, man. And he's like, we don't have to wear a mask at school. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure based on the way you're acting, you should wear a mask at school, but I really need you to go. And he needs to go because other than the crazy sniffing and weird mucusy cough, he is tearing my house apart. That's the worst. Listen, I don't mind staying home with sick kids when they sleep all day, but when they're like just as active as normal, yeah. you gotta go to school. He <laughs> needs to go to school. I, he just, and he wants to too. So I'm like really hopeful that the vitamin C I've been dosing them with works magic overnight and I can send them tomorrow. Cause then we have a long weekend. Yeah. They keep pulling this crap on like weeks that we have a long weekend. It's not fair. <laughs> Why did it happen to Easter? Like it can't happen again. Yeah. No, we can't do this again. But, but while you were away, your husband, John, had to uh, he had to do all of the driving around, right? But it was worse than it even usually is when you do it. <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, my gosh. Poor guy. Yeah. Um, my girls dance on Saturdays and usually we split the duties up with another mom. So we kind of take each other's kids so that it ends up being about half the driving for us. Cause I drive her daughter one way and she drives mine the other way, that kind of thing. And, um, she was out of town for the weekend as well. So then all of it was on John. And then typically what happens is when you go to pick up my youngest, my oldest gets dropped off at the same time, mm -hmm. but one class was canceled. So it didn't work out that way. Like it was a whole thing. And then there was a birthday party that night. I was like, I am so sorry. He's like, I did 10 trips to and from the dance studio on Saturday. And it's not that far, but it it's a lot <laughs> to like there and home and there and home and there and home and there and home. So eight trips. And then he drove them to the things so he spent probably a lot of time in the car on Saturday and I just hope that he appreciates what it's like having me around I mean I feel like he kind of <laughs> did anyway he seems like pretty good at that but it's still nice to have them have to actually do the labor that you know is just typically yours yeah right yeah, yeah. so listeners you are listeners you are about to hear an episode from melissa who honestly i just loved our conversation and i really it was really uplifting and there was like happy tears and i don't know i think it's going to be an amazing episode and i hope our listeners think it's an amazing episode well too. it's a it's a nice way to end may this motherhood month yeah because it's motherhood, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I feel like we're definitely ending on a mostly good note. Good. Yeah, which is nice. I think so. Yeah. Which is really yeah. nice. So enjoy this episode. And coming soon to a Now Up Pod Patreon near you will be an episode with Carling, one of our friends from I Did Not Sign Up For This. And if you haven't listened to our episode go back and listen to her coming out story because we're going to dive deep into one of the relationships that she alludes to in that episode and 
is good. It's, it's so good. It's a two-parter. So we're listening. We have part one. It's going to be live probably this week, actually, that this episode releases. So subscribe to Patreon. It's really inexpensive. There's already four or five episodes up there. We are constantly planning for new episodes to go, things mm-hmm. that will not be released publicly. And in doing that, you support us. You support the show. We get to keep doing this. Yeah. And you get to keep listening to us. You get more of us. Yeah. Yeah. Like and anyone needs more of us. <laughs> everyone needs more of us. And go to nowwhatpod.com, shop our merch. All that stuff. Fun. Enjoy the episode. Yay. Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to the Now What Pod. I'm Tisha. Thank you so much for joining us to listen again this week. We are going to be talking to Melissa, who is joining us from Indiana, and she is here to share her story with us. So welcome, Melissa. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I guess what you might not know is that we had made this decision that for the month of May, we were going to release episodes centered around motherhood, but more unconventional and taking our inspiration from some of those memes that you see going around about how difficult Mother's Day can be for people and that being a mother means different things and relationships with mothers can be complicated and your story seemed to just sort of fit really well with that theme yeah it is a hundred percent (laughs) unconventional yeah so where do you want to start well I mean the beginning is the easiest but And it's kind of funny that you brought up Mother's Day because I did a Mother's Day post and me being a stepmom. So when I met my husband, he had two daughters and it was kind of funny because it was my second marriage, his second marriage. I walked in with an ultimatum. I was like, if we are going to do this together, you have to give me a baby. (laughs) Like Nobody grows up dreaming of being a stepmom. You know what I mean? Or being a step parent or not having a conventional family. And so I was like, listen, I grew up dreaming of having two kids of my own. And obviously you have two daughters yourself. Like, I'm not going to say you have to give me two, but I need to be at least a biological mother given all things go well. And so he was on the opposite side of like, well, I have two kids. I've been a single dad. I don't want any more. And I was like, well, guess this isn't going to work out, you know? And he's like, wait, 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 there's not even a discussion. I was like, well, I mean, that was the discussion. And so he was like, okay, we can have one. And I was like, okay, great. You know, that works out because then I at least have the ability to understand the biological aspect of things. And as anybody that knows me knows that I'm the hopeful and naive person, like, You think being raised by Disney, that is me, 100%. (laughs) Everything is always going to work out. And my husband is the other side of that. He's a very, very much a skeptic. He's, I'll wait to see how that works out kind of a person. And so he's not completely hopeless, but he's obviously, he's He's more skeptical. I think that's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's definitely gone through a lot of stuff with his ex-wife and, before you know we met and was still going through stuff 
And so I was like, you know, okay. In my dreamland, Kylie, my oldest was nine at that point. And Emmy was, I think she was like two and a half. She wasn't three yet. And I was like, yeah, these girls are going to, you know, love me and want to be, you know, a part of this family that we're making and all this stuff. And Emmy had no idea because she was so little, but Kylie was aware of everything. And so we got together, we got married, we had a baby and our first Christmas as like a married family, my oldest looked me in the face and said, I don't want you here. Ouch. Yeah. And I was like, okay, <laughs> let me get up and go walk away right now because I, I didn't know what to do. And I had a conversation with her. I had a stepmom and when I was much older and I was in my twenties and I knew if I was 20 and upset about it, like my parents hadn't been married for a while, but it still was just like, my dad is with a different woman, you know, like it was hard for me to handle. And I couldn't imagine at her age. And I told her, I said, when I came in, I'm not here to replace your mom. Like your mom is your mom. There's nothing that's going to change that. And what's the craziest thing about it is as time went on, we went through contempt of court. We went through a lot of parental alienation, disparagement, a lot of drama happened and just kind of wrecked my children. And then COVID hit and she abandoned them. She stopped seeing them. She stopped talking to them. And I had a conversation with my oldest. It was November of 2020. And she sat me down and she said that her biological mom's fiance had signed away his rights to his daughter. And I was like, oh, like, how did you know that? And she said, well, grandma told me. And I was like, okay, I've always played the 50-50 game. How does this, you know, like one, you tell me how you feel because then I can kind of step into my emotions about it. I very rarely shared my personal opinion about things. And I played the 50-50 game of, well, on this hand, it could be this and this hand, it could be that, like the more negative view. And I said, you know, what do you think about that? And she was like, well, I think my biological mom is the reason why, because she didn't want any more kids. And I said, okay, well, how does that make you feel? And she goes, well, would she sign away her rights for us? And I was just like, do I get to give my personal opinion here? You know, I didn't really know what to do because here I have a 15 year old looking at me and just like, brokenhearted from not seeing her mom, from not hearing from her mom and the interactions that she does have with her is very negative. And, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way with your emotions instead of, I'm sorry that I caused you this pain. Mm -hmm. And that summer she had told me that she felt like I was more her mom than her biological mom was. And I cried, of course. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I was expecting you to be 25 for you to realize this because I've always been the primary mom. Like after she moved away, she was not involved. So she goes, well, what do you really think about her signing away her rights? And I said, I honestly don't know if she would do that. I said, but selfishly, I want to adopt you. I've wanted to adopt you all for a long time. That was like the first time in six years that I've ever shared my personal feelings with her. 
And that changed Mother's Day for me because before that time, it was, you know, they went to their biological mothers. Like, and I never fought that because that's their mom, you know, like there was never an issue there. And over time, they would celebrate me on Mother's Day. They would like write me a note or something like that. And I never had these expectations. But then she said, you would actually adopt us. Like you would, you would adopt us. And I was like, "Uh, yeah, like, you know, I see the pain in your face when she cancels. I see how difficult it is when you talk to her and she tells you negative things and she speaks about dad in a negative way. I want to remove you from that because that's something I can't protect you from unless I have a legal standing, you know, in the state of Indiana, if there's joint custody and there's visitation, you can't prevent a kid from going and you can't prevent a kid from speaking to their parent, Mm -hmm. which I get it. But like, if they're being emotionally abused, mentally abused, you know, that kind of stuff, it's like, at what point do you put your foot down and say, this is not healthy and I don't want you speaking to them and stuff like that. And so I asked her permission because in Indiana at 14, they have to consent to adopt. And Emmy didn't have to consent, but even in the case of parental alienation and disparagement, there was a possibility of me only getting legal custody of my oldest and not my youngest because they lived a different life, which is really, really scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is like, how could you even think about that. So did their biological mother just consent? No. I'm wondering how that conversation goes or. (laughs) Well, yeah. Where did it go from you having this conversation with Kylie? Yes. So I told Kylie, you know, I prefaced it with, I will try. I cannot make promises. You know, in 2017, we had a contempt of court case against her and it lasted months. It was back and forth fighting, you know, and it was really all about her biological mom saying a lot of negative things and talking about the divorce and the real reason why. And that's completely off limits. Like no child should ever hear things like that. And so that's why we filed contempt, which is basically you agreed to not talk about this. You now are in contempt of court. You can face jail time. You can face a fee and all that stuff. That took eight months to come to a resolution. And so after that, we decided we're going to try to just handle everything by therapy, you know, and best as we can, all that stuff. So remembering that contempt of court case, I told her, listen, I will try my hardest, but I had to file for adoption without consent. So basically, because she hadn't seen the kids in over six months and she had not had I think it's effective communication. So if you're not speaking to your kids in an effective manner, like calling them, keeping contact, seeing them, you know, that kind of stuff. Those are two charges that you could say, I have grounds to adopt these kids. And and it's kind of funny because the effective communication is for a year, but if you abandon for six months, you can adopt without consent. But it's really, really, really difficult to do this. So I promised nothing other than me trying. So from November 2020 to February 2022, 
I gathered up all the evidence. We got with our lawyer and we're like, okay, what are the chances? What do we need to do? And, you know, how likely is this? Am I just lighting $5,000 on fire? You know, I'm always open to trying, but what, what are we really facing here? And so we had to keep it a really, really big secret. And so we didn't tell my middle girl, Emmy, who is Kylie's biological sister, our, our daughter together is obviously her, their half sister, but we didn't tell her because if from November to when we could file, if something really changed and she came back in their lives, like I would have lost the case completely. And so we refrained from telling her until we got closer to filing. And the crazy thing was, is I was expecting a huge court battle. I was expecting for her to lawyer up. I was expecting a lot of back and forth and continuation of court, like pushing back all this stuff, but nothing happened. She received the documents. I, I paid for somebody to go give them to her and she had a sign that she received them. She didn't respond. She didn't call the court. She didn't get a lawyer. She didn't file anything. And I'm like, in an anxiety mess. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening here? Right. Like this is completely like we didn't hear anything from her. Nothing. She didn't call up screaming or no. Kylie didn't hear from her. There was no contact whatsoever. And I'm just like, the, the guy served the right person, right? Like, <laughs> are we sure that this this really happened because everything, I mean. Even scheduling the girls for extracurricular activities, everything was a fight. So how, how is this not a fight? Like it didn't make any sense. And so our court date was scheduled for April 16th of 2021. And the week before I'm like, I'm not sleeping. I'm not eating. I'm on the phone with our lawyer pretty much every freaking day. And I have this timeline in Excel. I'm showing every phone call, every text message of, you know, the kids are reaching out to her. And this was the last time they actually saw her. And it was crazy because the last time that they physically saw her was Mother's Day 2020. And I'm like, I have as much as I can. We're just going to show up and we're going to see what happens. And I'm like texting my lawyer the day of we're all getting ready we're like okay this is finally the first time we get to see her in court because all the other times we settled out of court and i'm just building up building up building up and about two hours before court kylie comes up to me and shows me a text message on her phone and it was from her biological mother and it said i love you so much i love emmy so much i'll be here when you need me and she's like, why is she texting me this? What does this mean? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. Because to me, this entire time, this whole, your whole life, you've needed her. And where has she been? You know what I mean? Like, why is she texting this two hours before? And it's just a mind mess kind of a text message. And so I sent that to our lawyer and I was like, she's not coming. And she didn't show up to court. Wow. And luckily for me, I had plenty of evidence. You know, we had submitted everything to the court. I had multiple therapists letters. I had pediatrician letters. I had letters from the principals of the girls' schools. I had letters in support of me adopting them because 
All of these people in their lives did not know this woman. She is that far removed. She doesn't know what school they go to. She doesn't know their teacher's names. She doesn't know anything. She's not involved. She's not. In the state of Indiana, and I expect this to be everywhere, if your kid is in extracurricular activities, no matter the parent, you take them to the activity. But she refused. So they would miss out on games if they had to go to her house. Like it was just that awful of a situation. And so I'm going to try to not get emotional, but the judge walks out and he, and I'm, I'm just a, a, a complete wreck. My husband's crying. I'm crying. I'm like, she's really not showing up. That means that I win essentially, but I was in my head like, okay, if she doesn't show up, then he could continue this and make her show up. You know, like she has to do something like there's who knows what kind of legal loopholes that I have to jump through. But he walks out and he goes, Fridays are my favorite day because it's adoption day. And he goes, and everybody's happy. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's real. Like the easiest thing that have happened was adopting them. Mm-hmm. And I honestly thought it was going to be the hardest thing because of everything else that we had gone through. And it was kind of funny because I still had to give all of my testimony <laughs> and I'm like bawling the whole time. And we had mess, <laughs> like a snotty mess. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's okay. Take your time. You know, nobody's here to say that you shouldn't adopt them. Like her, her own biological parents showed up in support of me adopting the girls. Like if that's not a sign enough, you know, that her Mm -hmm. biological mother, (laughs) like their biological grandmother showed up to support me in adopting them. Like that's a big enough sign to anybody, but I'm just like, holy crap, like I get to adopt these children. And it was so funny because Emmy, she knew that that Kylie had to consent and the judge was going to ask her questions. And Emmy was like, well, is he going to ask me questions? And I was like, well, technically no, but do you want him to ask you questions? Because I'm sure we could ask him. And she was like, yeah, I want him to ask me questions because if Kylie has to answer questions, then I need to answer questions. And I had... I had my best friend, Diana, I had her keep them in the law library. So in case she did show up, they wouldn't have any interaction with their biological mother. And so these girls were not in the courtroom at all. They walk in and they see me and Josh, my husband in full on tears, blubbering messes. And they're like, what is going on? (laughs) And we're trying to like assure them from across the room, like, it's okay. We're happy. Like we may not look like it, but we're really, really happy. And they get up and they're like, yes, no, sir. Yes, sir. You know, like they're so (laughs) good and they were adopted that day. Like it was. And then of course, you know, mother's day is, was like a month later. And I'm like, I am, your legal mother, you know, like I have lived with the mother of all three of my children. And so it was, you know, we recently celebrated the one year adoptiversary. And but so was this Mother's Day that just passed your first legal like Mother's Day with them or your second one? Second. Second. Okay. Yep. Okay. So it was the second and it was sweet because I always tell them you have to try it, everything, you know, you're going to fail all of this stuff, but we can figure it all out. 
And for Mother's Day this year, she was like, Amazon has everything. (laughs) She found me this sign. It says, everything is figure outable. (laughs) And I was like, this is my sign. Like she goes, I knew it was yours. Like that's, that's you. That's everything you explained to us. And I was like, everything is, I mean, I never would have thought that I could have adopted them and that it would have been easy. And my poor lawyer, he was just like, I was really looking forward to grilling her. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was looking forward to see it, but the fact that it was easy, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You kind of started out with, you know, saying like nobody dreams of being a stepmom, like, and I've never considered that before, but you're right. Nobody thinks, oh, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be the best stepmom ever. And at the same time, like when I'm listening to you talk, like that love that you have for them is it's so evident. Like I can feel it. Like it's radiating out of you, how much you love these girls and listening to you talk about them as just like your children. It's really beautiful. And there's like, there's also so much stigma about being a stepmom, like the evil stepmom thing. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, and I was going to say like, even before you were legally their mom, like it's clear you were their mom. Yeah. And, and it wasn't always that way. Like at the beginning, you know, And I had to explain this to my husband and I had to explain this to my mother-in-law. Like I I was told so many times, you have to love them unconditionally. You have to love them unconditionally. They're, They're children, you know, all of this stuff. And I was like, if in any relationship you love somebody unconditionally to begin with, I would like to meet that person because every relationship that you have, you have to earn their trust and they have to earn yours, you know, and especially when it comes to a divorce situation, like Josh had baggage from his previous marriage. I had baggage from my previous marriage. These kids were literally being pulled in two different ways Mm -hmm. and we can have a surface level relationship being kind to each other, all of that stuff, but it took them learning to love me unconditionally the same as it took me learning to love them unconditionally Mm -hmm. and it's not that there's a different treatment there but there's hurt feelings going both ways you know like a kid and this this is an uncommon concept plenty of stepmoms understand this but if you can't go into a situation without getting your hurt, like your feelings hurt, then you shouldn't enter into that situation. However, you don't have that opportunity when it comes to somebody else's kids. Like you're in a relationship with them and their children have the power to hurt you in a lot of ways. And kids are like that because they can be upset. Your biological kid can say, I hate you. You know what I mean? And you're like, you won't in five minutes when I make you dinner, you know, but it's hard to not think that some of those things are real when they're not your kids. And I struggled with that for a long time because I mean, Kylie literally looked me in my face and said, I don't want you here. And how can I not take that personally? Like, yeah, like that. And even though, you know, you're like, I'm the grown up in this situation and she's just a kid and, but you're still 
human and you're there you've married this man you've agreed to have these girls as part of your life and it's Christmas and she's like yo I don't want you here I mean and in the back of my head I'm like I I recognize it's the first Christmas where her mother isn't here and this is hard and stuff but I'm like yeah if this isn't stabbing you in the back I don't know what is like this well feels like the fact Mm. is is like you it's so easy to say all of these things about loving unconditionally and like tisha you have to stay positive but the fact is you can't mask your feelings or you shouldn't have to like it's one thing to not lose it on her because she said that to you but you can't ignore that you feel that way and it doesn't serve anyone We had to do a lot of rebuilding of our relationship at that point. And unfortunately, a lot of that took a while with the contempt of court case that came up a year later. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was really hard. And I mean, kids are evil, like certain levels of them, they can be really evil because they want to throw temper tantrums. They want to say the things that they think are going to hurt you. I mean, I've had recent conversations with my nine-year-old about, she wishes her little sister didn't exist and that she hopes she goes on a road trip and doesn't come back one day. Oh, and- my, my nine-year-old is like, well, he hasn't said it in the last few years, but he used to say it was so much better before Wyatt when it was yeah. just me, you and daddy, it was so much better. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I try to tell them because for so long, Kylie struggled with showing her emotions because she felt in between and that, you know, when biological mom was saying negative things about daddy, she was just torn apart. And so I tell them, I'm like, you need to show your emotions. Cause if you just bottle them down, it's like the Coke and the Mentos effect. You throw as many Mentos in that bottle as you can, but it's going to come out and it's going to be an explosion. And so when we bottle up our emotions, then it blows up in our face because we can't handle anything like get to our tippy top and then everything is a wreck and so I tell them just share your emotions so that we can work through it but you can't inflict pain on people with your emotions just because you're upset like that's where the line is drawn you can stomp around and you know get it all out that's totally fine but you can't mistreat a family member you can't mistreat a friend and so I was letting Emmy say all these things and, and I was just like, okay, well, we can't say those things. And your sister's not going away. Like, that's not okay. And she's like, well, I thought you said it was okay to share my emotions. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, there's also the other part of not hurting our family members. And that's kind of a painful thing. And, and it kind of brings me back to like, Okay, she's not meaning this because I'm her form, like her and her stepmom. She's meaning this because she's just mad. Like, and I, I have to like retrain my brain because for so long I was their stepmom. And I had to explain to so many people, I'm like, it's different. They're not my kids. So I take what they say seriously. And sometimes that's completely on my fault. And other yeah. times I'm like, but they're they are saying that to hurt me, you know, like they, and it worked. Yes. So it's a, it's been an interesting road. I mean, I've definitely been the mom. I realized I had to be their mom in at the end of like 2018 when she just 
I honestly, like if she was in a good relationship, she would be involved. If she wasn't in a relationship, she'd not be a part of their life. And so it was like this in and out battle. And so when I realized that she wasn't really going to be involved in their lives, I was like, okay, I've got to pick up the pieces. I can't put their lives on hold because of her. And so we looked into different extracurriculars that were like during the week instead of the weekends and being there and just kind of removing whatever I was worried about what she would think, because it didn't matter. I couldn't do anything right. None of us could do anything right. But that was her problem. Right. You had to kind of try to separate that. And I guess you were saying before too, that like, if you did the extracurriculars on the weekend and then they were with her, they didn't get to go. And so just trying to look at like, how can we make the most of this? The best, I guess, of this bad situation. Right. Right. And do what's best for them. Mm -hmm. And it's not been, even after the adoption, it's not been a hundred percent easy. It's not completely, it's come with its own battles, which is the hardest part because Mm -hmm. I was really hoping the stability would give them what they needed, but now it has turned into, she's not going to see me graduate high school next year. And she's not going to be at my baptism and she's not going to be here and she's not going to be there. And, and I kind of put it into perspective and I said, at what point would the person that you knew as your mom, when she was happy, like how far back in your life do you have to go to find that person? Because if we don't recognize that people change and we just hold on to one vision of them, like we're going to feel like nothing meets our expectations for the rest of our lives. And I can't fix the abandonment feeling like that's nobody can. And you can't logic out emotions. You can't say, oh, well, you know, she didn't want to be in our lives anymore. Then I need to get over it. Like that's a void that's always going to be there. You know, the, did she ever love me? Does she really miss me? Like, what if we talk to her, you know, that kind of thing. And we tell them, I'm sorry. We, if the adoption happened 10 years ago, we would maybe consider talking to her, but it happened last year and she didn't show up, you know? And I swing that both ways. I say, maybe she realized that's what you needed. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, maybe she didn't care. <laughs> like, you know, there's, if we always focus on the negative and I try to turn as much positive without being too toxic with it, is I'm like, maybe, maybe it was, she was just like, this is what you need. And then we just got to work through the rest of it. But that's like, that is my current life is just trying to navigate day by day. Did you ever hear from their mother after that point? No. That you adopted them? No. No. Have have they heard from her? No. Kylie blocked her from her phone because we did not want, if her mom decided to just reach out, that would be like my basis for adopting them 
would have kind of been thrown out because we knew that there was an abuse manipulation kind of formula with her writing and her calling and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so if we allowed that to happen, she could wreck any progress at any point, basically. And we didn't want that to be there. We wanted them to have healing. I mean, we took them to Florida at the beginning of 2021 for intensive trauma therapy. And so when we realized we could actually remove her contact from their lives to protect them from that, we didn't want her to have the opportunity to just pop in. Never suited her. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like there's a huge obviously trauma, but there's a huge, it sounds like grieving element, especially Kylie thinking about, you know, her not being at her graduation and things like that. But with that added layer of that, it was like a choice. Right. Right. But there's a lot of it that sounds very, very similar to what I'm navigating on a day-to-day basis with my grieving kids. It's hard. And we, I think it was in Florida of 2020. So every year we, we take the kids to Florida and we kind of have this little family vacation. And in the middle of COVID is pretty much when she stopped like truly contacting them. She hadn't seen them before Mother's Day of 2020 since February of 2020. So there was a good three month break. And then she came out and she's like, oh, it's Mother's Day, I'm their mom. They need to come see me. And so we're like, where have you been for three months? You know, but okay, you can have them. They come home and that was literally the last time that we, that they saw her. And so in Florida that year, she was just like, Kylie was a complete wreck. And she was like, it feels like mom has died, but I know she's alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And dropped off the face of the earth. Right. And she was like, it would be better if she actually died because then I wouldn't have the reason of why she's not contacting us. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, how do you have a conversation around that? You know? And she was like, it would be easier because she had a dream about her mom moving to California. She's like, it would be a lot easier if she did live that far away. So then she had more of a reason to not see us. And then if she died, then it would really be more of a reason to not talk to us because she's dead. Like, and so she's trying to, she's gotten a lot farther since then, but she's trying to go through that grieving process of now this is the new reality where Mm -hmm. it is final. And Emmy was kind of going through that, but Kylie sat her down and she was like, Emmy, mom was never a mom for you. She was like, when we went to her house, I had to make sure you had food. I had to tell you to take a bath. I had to tell you to take a shower and to brush your teeth and to go to bed. She was like, I would call grandma to come pick us up because I couldn't wake mom up and we didn't have food. And she was like, mom now, as in me, she was like, this is our mom. She is the one that is taking care of us. And I told him, you know, my most heartbreaking time was when Emmy was graduating preschool because their biological mom never showed up for anything for Emmy. She was in daycare, but she had Christmas programs. She had preschool graduation. She had kindergarten stuff. She didn't show up for anything for Emmy. And I had to like remind her. And I said, I remember 
preschool graduation. You had to sing a song and you were so nervous. And I was like, remember I learned it and I learned the little dance and I had your sister strapped to me and I was in the back of the room and I'm just bawling. And I said, do you remember when I, why I was so upset? And she was like, well, it's because I was graduating preschool. I was like, yeah, you were growing up and you're graduating preschool. I was like, but I was so upset because your biological mom didn't show up. Mm-hmm. And you were so upset about it. And I'm like, I hurt when you all hurt. And seeing them kind of go through this stuff when I thought, you know, I had the hope and I had the naivete to remove them from that. And we're still dealing and we're always going to deal with it to a certain level, but Mm -hmm. the missing out, you're missing my life. Yeah. And I, I struggle with helping them through that because I just don't know. And I don't think anybody really knows how, like what's going to help this kid versus that kid. And so I just love them so much and I hug them and I'm just trying and that's the hardest, that is the hardest part about this. Yeah, because they're kids and that was their biological mom. And like you said, sometimes we can hang on to that image that we had of somebody before, or we hold on to that image of what we imagine they could be or what we hope they could be one day. And their mom's not there and she's choosing to do so. I know. And then that's, that's a lot for a kid. They're being forced to see their mom as a human. I feel like you don't see, no, but yes. you, don't, you don't like see uh, the yeah. humanity in your parents. And then you do one day and like, You're like you Whoa. know, I remember <laughs> a, a moment distinctly, and I'm sure I saw them as, you know, actual people before I was, you know, 20 but I just remember one moment specifically where it was like oh yeah they're like they're not just my mom they're not just my dad they're 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 like these real people that make mistakes beyond just not letting you go to whatever party like whatever you know what I mean (laughs) actual mistakes actual mistakes and they're fallible but you kind of grow into that and they weren't given that opportunity I know it's the fact that it's all forced upon them. Yeah. It's kind of like they're just running around trying to pick up these scraps and trying to make sense of this letter that has pieces torn out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to do. And it and I can't explain things. I mean, there's plenty of stuff, you know, Emmy's asking a lot more questions now that she's older. And I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that I don't say because if it's out on the internet, you know, she's going to find it. Mm-hmm. And, and we're like, well, there's certain things that you just can't know. And that Kylie does not know because it would be detrimental to them. Right. And she's like, well, I need to know so that I understand. And Josh is like, dear, it's going to go to my grave. <laughs> and it's going to go to your mom. <laughs> it's really hard to know that she's really not ever going to understand. Right. But yeah, to, to like really get that is that's a hard, mm-hmm. it's hard for adults to, to swallow, you know? And I think it's hard as a parent to not be able to give that understanding or to help that to fix it. Yeah. And I mean, it's interesting for me, and we're not here to talk about my story, but 
listening to you because I have a parent who by choice was not part of my life. And now I'm an adult, but I'm listening to you. And yeah, it is hard because my father is, I think, very much alive. I don't even know. Honestly, nobody would probably call me if he died tomorrow. And yeah, that is like a tough pill to swallow. And when I became a parent myself, it almost became more real. Like I remember looking at my, my children and I have this distinct memory of I was buckling my daughter up in her car seat and she was two and a half at the time. And she just had like this most delightful little look on her face and she was smiling at me and I gave her a little kiss on her head before I got in the driver's seat as I always did. And I remember just looking at her, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is how old I was when my father walked away. And just looking at this perfect little two and a half year old girl and thinking my dad walked away from that. Like, how do you look at a little kid and walk away? I don't know. There was something about just, I guess, becoming a parent myself that I really was like, whoa, that's a lot. Because as a kid, you don't necessarily understand, I guess, that bond from like a parent's perspective. And not to say that that's necessarily going to happen for your children, but yeah, there's probably a possibility that even as they're adults and when they have their own children, that they're still going to be like, wow, like my mom chose not to be there. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I think it's really beautiful that they do have you and they do have somebody who's kind of trying to take on some of that role Mm -hmm. and guiding them and loving them and nurturing them and parenting them. Right. And I don't know that one replaces the other. Like, I don't think you can, you, you can't replace, but you know, you can try, you can try to help them and support them through all of that and, and love them. Like you said, right. I was going to say you, you're forging a new mother daughter relationship, right? It's new and it's showing them what it can be. Mm-hmm. I always told Emmy, cause when she was going through therapy, she drew this heart and it was her heart and all the pieces and the people a part of her heart. And this part that was her biological mom, she had kind of like cut out and she said it was floating away. And so it left a void in her heart. And I Mm -hmm. said, you know, that void is always going to be there. But over time, the other parts of your heart are going to get bigger and happier. And that part, while it's always going to be there, it's going to feel smaller. You know, the other pieces are going to be able to help hold up your heart with that. Yes. Family. Yes. And, and she kind of like, oh, because I'm going to have family members that love me a lot. And I'm going to have friends that come into my life and stuff. And I said, exactly. I was like, we are all a part of you. You know, it's not just, here's my heart. Yeah. And it's just this one person. It's, it has everybody in there. And I was like, and so we are all going to be here to love you as much as possible and to support you and to show you that this isn't you, you know, that's not all of you, all of this together is you. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping the scariest part to me is, you know, Emmy is much, much farther away from 18 than my oldest. And, you know, we said, you know, once they're 18, if they wanted to reach out that they could, 
And so I'm so worried that by next September, when my oldest is 18, that any fix that we've put into place and, you know, helping her and grow and all that stuff is all that just going to be torn down if she does decide when she's 18 to reach out and she either hears crickets or a whole lot of the same of, I'm sorry that you feel that way kind of stuff. Like, and that's the stuff that you can't protect them from, you know, we train them up as individuals so that they can go off and be grownups and you hope that they make good decisions and all that stuff, but then you can't protect them from the things that are not going to be great for them. That's welcome to adulting. <laughs> like, this is why they don't give you the manual when you give a baby. You know, like. Yeah, you're right. And that goes for any parent, right? Yeah. You just try to, like you said, train them up and, and raise them and hope that they're able to make good decisions, but you can't protect them from everything. And they may one day choose to reach out to her or not. And that could be even that, like deciding whether or not they want to do that can be a really challenging thing as well. I'm wondering, do they call you mom or what do they call you? So it was kind of funny. The longest time they, they had always called me Melissa. I had never told them what to call me. They just always called me Melissa. And so when Kylie and I talked about the adoption, and I started, you know, looking into it and filing and stuff that she was on the fence and she had been on the fence for months. She had told me that she wanted to call me mom, but because her real mom, her biological mom was still in the picture. She's like, I feel like I can't call you mom, even though you feel like you're more my mom than her. And I said, listen, Mm -hmm. the love is there either way. You can call me whatever you want. As long as it's not calling me out of my name, I'm cool with it. (laughs) And so when I told Emmy, she was, she was really really upset. It was January of 2021. It was the end of the month. And she was just like, I really, really want to call mommy. I really, really want to call mommy. And the last conversation that she had with her was not a good one. And Emmy is so emotionally intelligent that if something doesn't sound right, she's going to be like, wait, that's not right. You know, and she calls you out on it. So that conversation with her mom, she tried some manipulation tactics. Emmy called her out immediately. And I said, hey, Em, this conversation wasn't the best. So I don't think that's a good thing. And so she started crying and I was holding her and I was rocking her. And I was like, but I have something good to tell you. And we had, we were going to try to wait until we filed, but I was just like, she needs to know that somebody is fighting for her. And so I decided to tell her and I said, I'm trying to adopt you. I'm going to file paperwork. We're going to go to court and I'm going to try to adopt you. And she immediately ran downstairs to tell her dad. And I'm like, Emmy, like I'm chasing after her. And I'm like, Emmy, Emmy, I'm trying. It doesn't mean that I am. I'm trying, you know, because Josh was like, if you say you're adopting her, she's going to go with it. And that's what it's going to be. So she runs downstairs. She's like, daddy, 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 Melissa's adopting me. Melissa's adopting me. And I'm like trying, I'm just going to try. And (laughs) she goes, Melissa's my mommy now. And I was like, that went a different way than I expected. And from that day, Emmy was correcting Josh. My name was now mom. And 
it didn't even matter if I adopted her. Like I was mom at that point. And so if Josh said, oh, can you go get Melissa? And she goes, mom, her name is mom. Like she corrected me. And then the adoption came, was granted. And then that's when Kylie started calling me mom. And because I told them, I was like, again, it didn't matter to me if they call me Melissa for the rest of their lives or they, if they wanted to call me mom, like I'm cool either way because the love was there anyway. The name is just a name. But it was so funny because Emmy's like, nope, you're mom now. (laughs) I was like, I just said, I'm going to try to adopt. Like I didn't say it was going to happen. I was just going to try, but trying was enough. And that's what she did. Yeah. And it's interesting because, you know, as a parent, sometimes you weigh those, like, do I tell them? Do I not tell them? And you'd kind of thought you're going to hold off. And you just read that moment where you're like, you know what, she needs to know someone's fighting for her. And the fact that she so readily accepted that and was like, your mommy now really speaks to how well I think you read that situation and how much she needed that validation. Like she, she needed a mom. She needed to know that someone was fighting for her and that somebody wanted to be her mom. In, in doing that, you proved that you wanted that job. Yeah. It sounds mm-hmm. like she was never shown that her own mom, her biological mom wanted that. I know. And it was funny because I was like, in my head, while I'm chasing her to like, try, I'm just going to try. I'm like, my husband's going to kill me. He's going to be like, why did you tell her? She's going to scream out that you're adopting her, you know, because we did kind of have to do this by surprise. We had to send the letter by surprise because we didn't know how their biologic mom was going to react but I was like well I've already made it clear she's not going to contact her so (laughs) but I just told him I was like this was a situation I mean we had we've had pictures of her crying on the floor to send to their biological mom to show her how much hurt she was inflicting by saying certain things by canceling on seeing them and stuff and I was like I had to tell her then because I couldn't stand seeing her hurt. I needed her to know that I was going to be here always, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was going to be here always anyway, but that somebody is going and doing something extra to keep her forever. Because in the event, like, to be honest with you, if my husband passed away, I would have lost them. Mm -hmm. Like they would have gone to their biological mom. I probably could have. Yeah, it's a lot. So you have a podcast. We do. Right? <laughs> it's called the Instamon Pod for those of you who want to check it out. What kinds of things do you talk about on there? Huh. Well, <laughs> it's basically my life story. <laughs> and it's a lot of stuff from my perspective. And I've had my husband on there. And I preface this because it's, it's hard to hear. Some of the stuff is very difficult to talk about for me, but it's hard to hear and receive. And what I told my husband was we are living the same life, but from very different perspectives, you know, you have a memory of a situation and I have a memory of that situation. And it's not that my memory is right. It's, this is my perspective. And I know so many other women as stepmoms have gone through the same feelings and feeling the shame and guilt when we don't love unconditionally immediately and where we get our feelings hurt from kids that aren't ours. And we 
try and try and try and deal with high conflict bio parents and difficult situations and all that stuff. And I said, it's just important for me to say, this is what I've gone through. And if anybody else has had any similar thing, and it could be step parents, it could be something completely different, but I've had so many people reach out and they're like, this, this is everything I'm feeling. And, and it's an amazing feeling to feel validated. Like you're not crazy, you know? And it's just like you having the kids that are dealing with the grief of losing a parent. It's like my kids still have their biological mom. She's just not in their lives, but it, I'm going through a lot of grief stuff and listening to other people that have, you know, been adopted, hearing their stories and, you know, grieving kids and stuff like that. It's like we all need that to understand to put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I'm unfortunately, my life has just been a little bit crazy lately. So I haven't been recording and posting like I should. And I'm hoping to resume that for June. But the, the connections that I've made and people reaching out from all over the world, that's the craziest thing to me is I have, I have so many people from the UK that have reached out to me. They're like, I'm dealing with this. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with the daily emotions? And I'm like, I can't say I was very successful, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, day by day. (laughs) Yeah. In a way that leads me, I guess, to sort of my next question is like, what advice would you give to somebody who is about to become a stepmom or who's in it? Yeah. 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 So two different perspectives. Okay. One, go in hopeful and naive. Like I don't, I wouldn't change how I went into this because I was straight up with Kylie. You know, I was like, I'm not going to replace your mom. I'm not your biological mom. That's your biological mom. Like I completely respect that and do the happy things, do the go lucky stuff. The stuff that I would change was taking them on as my own because it exhausted me like it really did and I needed my husband to be like unfortunately I came in at a time where he needed relief because he was a single dad for a while and a single dad with two kids he he's a CPA so he was working long days long nights like I was his needed relief but I took them on as if they were my kids expecting all of that to click immediately. And that was not how that happened. And so I kind of set myself up for failure. Like, Hey, you all can't see all the work I'm doing. You should respect me and you should appreciate me and all that stuff. Like all of that stuff takes time because it's a new relationship. I was going to say, because you're really building a new relationship with them. Yes. Yes. And you touched upon that earlier that like, it's like any relationship, you kind of have to build that trust and build that rapport and build that connection. It's not going to necessarily be immediate. Right. And so I a hundred percent say love them because they're kids. And if they need to be cuddled, they need to be cuddled, you know, meet them where they are, but nobody in that stepmom's life should expect that that stepmom is going to have the same role as that bio mom. Like, it's just not going to happen. She's not going to manage the family schedule like the bio mom did. And she's not going to take on the doctor's appointments like the bio mom did. Like, 
the dad has to do that stuff until that family relationship is more solid. And then once that's in place, then you can then you can navigate things as a family. But that takes time. It takes on average, it's like two or three years. And once we got to that point, then it was much easier because you're just kind of in that that mode. But I was working so, so hard. And it was very hard because you can't make somebody accept you. <laughs> like that's just not something that no. happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how old was Kylie when you married your dad? So she was, she was 10. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, a little older, a little wiser. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. I have an almost 10 year old. Yeah. Here at my house, we, yeah. So. We both do. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Emmy, Emmy. And it's kind of funny because Emmy is the age in which Kylie was when I came into her life. And so a lot of the time stepmoms are like, you know, I'm missing out on all the first, like the first, because they're, they're not babies or maybe they are yeah. a version of a baby. And it, it's like, everything is a first. It may not be the baby first, you know, the first that you look to forward to when you have a biological kid. I was like, but everything is a first. It's the first with you. Mm-hmm. And so this is not my first nine-year-old but it's, or my first 10 year old from Kylie to Emmy, I was like, but it's my first time with Emmy being this age. And they're so, they're similar, but they're so different as personalities. And so I'm like, wow, I've got to really brush up on how to go through all this stuff again, you know, (laughs) pre-puberty and hormones. And I'm like, oh, that was a nightmare with Kylie. How, how is all this going to work out? (laughs) Yeah. But you do, in your position anyway, you get to be there for so many of the lasts. Yes. Is like, I think, really bittersweet. Yeah. I know. My youngest, she's about to finish kindergarten. And I'm like, you know, I had to deal with the the grief of not ever having another baby after her. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, this is the end of kindergarten. And then, you know, we're going into first grade and she's not needing me as much this way. And it's, it is bittersweet. And it's so interesting to be like, wow, you are so big. Like you used to fit on my lap and now you're just too big for that. And I had a funny conversation with Emmy the other day because Holly had fallen asleep on the couch and she's kindergarten. So she's much lighter than my almost fourth grader we carried her up to bed and Emmy goes, mom, you don't carry me to bed anymore. And I go, you also weigh 75 pounds. <laughs> that might be the reason, not that I don't love you. <laughs> yeah. That's mom. Just gonna, so you know, ha- mommy's <laughs> going to be heavy breathing by the time we make it up those stairs. <laughs> it's not going to be a good situation. <laughs> if we don't fall backwards while we're going. Right. Up. Like, right. And she was like, yeah, I guess I'm a lot bigger than I used to be. It's <laughs> like, yeah, but I will cuddle with you. Like, I just, uh, please no don't problem. to carry up the stairs. <laughs> Walk up the stairs. I will crawl into bed with you and we can cuddle as long as you like, but <laughs> you got to get yourself up those stairs. <laughs> oh man. Kids are, kids are a lot of fun. They are. For sure. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story with us. 
Yeah. Thanks for dealing with my tears as I went through all that stuff. Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.